most Adam loves ERA and auto-tunes himself this way Paxton's regression screams Brooklyn's got a winning team Liam Hendricks, Brad Hand Mike Trout plays near Disneyland Stats from spring training Daily play is a rating What's the ceiling? Bank on ceiling Can I get up? Here to recap a recent mock draft 12-team head-to-head points It's fantasy baseball today A day early Usually we're here on Wednesdays it is Tuesday, the twenty eighth of November, and I just, w- yeah, what, what? just publish it on Wednesday. No, I don't want to publish it on Wednesday. But there's, be- I mean, it'll be like we can assume like the rest of the off season, nothing will happen between now and then because nothing happens this off season, right? Yeah, it's uh, boring, but I don't boring. mind it. I don't mind it. It's fine because that means we're gonna have a flurry of activity in you know a few weeks. And the winter meetings, the winter meetings. There's going some serious stuff is going down. At the winter meetings, you can be sure. Now, Scott asked us an interesting question off the air, and we're going to answer it on the air. 2% milk. I prefer – actually, 1%. I've already changed my mind. 1% milk. That's what I usually buy. Okay. That's I, weird in and of itself, but that wasn't the question I asked. Why? What's your What's your milk of choice? <laughs> 2%. Everybody 2%. Everybody goes 2%. We've made right? the switch to 2%. We well, used to be a whole milk family. Okay. Whole milk? Yeah, oh, yeah. My goodness. Wait, Just what? heavy cream. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, but we've made the, for health reasons, we've made the switch to 2%. Yeah, this, is, this is fascinating listening. It I'm is. Sure. The Skim Plus. I recommend the Skim Plus. Very, very good. All right, Scott, what was the, uh, what was the real question you asked? So this was actually inspired. We were having a, a, a conversation about some draft strategy pieces we may be writing in, in, you know, February-ish. Or, May not um, be. or may not be. And what I, what was discovered? <laughs> and this is like, this is like one of those situations where you find <laughs> out, you know, somebody either faces the shower head or they have their back to the shower head when they shower and you never realize that anybody did it a different way. Basically, Who I found out. stands with their out, face facing the shower? What I is do. wrong with you? Well, it's not actually trying to get waterboarded face. every single it's time. It's actually shower. hitting your face. It's hitting your chest. Anyway, well, you don't pivot. Um, I pivot. It probably depends on the height of the person, but that's I'm, I'm getting us <laughs> off track. Yeah, again. you are. The point I discovered that I was the only one in that room who approaches every mock draft just trying to build the best team I can, the best way he I know keeps, how. Other people use keeps, other people experiment with different methods. He keeps stacking the deck in his favor in this argument. You, you notice what he just did, right? No. He's the only person who's trying to build the best team. The rest of us clowns, the rest I, of us chuckleheads I said, are, are screwing up, building the worst teams we can on purpose. Building the best team the best way I know how. Well, it, it sounds like you and others, everyone else in the room, yeah. Heath was included in that. They use each mock draft as an opportunity to test a completely different strategy. One they don't necessarily believe in, but one they just kind of want to try out and then try and build a good team around that. So that, I, I, like that, that, that to me is hard to wrap my head around because I just go into every competition wanting to try and do the very best I can. And I see mock drafts themselves as competition. Hmm. So. Hmm. Yeah, but it's, they're also, they're, they're also good learning experiences, you know? I learn a lot. It, it challenges seeing, just from seeing what I have to do, how I have to react to other people. It what challenges other people are doing. your assumptions. Mm-hmm. It's an intellectual exercise. 
that yep. allows you to test the things that you believe to be true. You're assuming Not I'm all like on us. autopilot during my mock drafts, though. I'm still having to react to everybody else, and it becomes really difficult at times. Look, not all of us have found the 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 one true way to win <laughs> at fantasy sports, Scott. Well, the I, rest you know, of us mortals. You didn't know my answer to that question, so you asked me before the show. And I didn't answer yet. So I typically am more like Scott. I typically want to do well in every mock draft. I don't like putting together a bad team, even if it's a fake <laughs> team. And I know you want to do well, but, but Chris, but my priority is not necessarily to test strategies. My priority is to put together, um, you know, the best team I can. But that's really when I'm very confident in my strategies, which I'm not just yet. So I tried in this draft to be more pitcher heavy than I ever have before. Three of my first six picks were starting pitchers. Five of my first ten picks were starting pitchers, although one of them was a uh, RP eligible Brad Peacock. So I went, uh, you know, off script, I guess. I usually don't do what I did, but I tried it this particular draft because I wanted to see if this was the strategy I wanted, if I wanted to go more pitcher heavy, more starting pitcher heavy early. I alluded to that in our previous podcast, but we didn't actually talk about the draft. So I got a little experimental in this one, but typically I I just typically I'm confident in my strategies and I just go out there and try to draft the best team and I don't mess around all that much. I leave that up to the other people. There's always somebody who's gonna do it, and I can say, yeah. Well, this person took a catcher early and this is how his team turned out. This guy took that, three. That was a point of- I brought up in the conversation we were having, Adam. Somebody you else you doesn't. can always look at somebody else what somebody else did and decide whether or not you want to incorporate that into your strategy. And also what you mentioned this early in draft prep season, do you really know exactly what you want to do? That's I, why I think you figure that out by trying what you think is exactly what you're wanting to do and, and seeing how your team turns out. And if that didn't turn out very well, then maybe that's not exactly what you want to do. But that's, but I, that's I don't think exactly that's what same. everyone else th- – that's no, the that, thing. Is that's that, that's what everyone same. else is trying that's to do. That's not the it's, same. That's not I'm going to draft pitchers in the first three rounds just to see what happens. Like, but that, that's, what's wrong that's with that? what you guys were arguing. It's not, that's but it's fine. not just to see what happens. It's <laughs> – is this the right strategy? Yeah, that's what fine. will my team look like I, if I try to draft with a certain strategy in mind, knowing that there are thousands of people who are going to draft with that strategy? My my strategy isn't that much of a blank slate. There, there's some maneuverability from year to year based it's on It's challenging that. your own assumptions. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk about the draft here. So what we're going to do today, this will be two parts. You know, we'll finish up next week, but today we'll look at the first, I don't know, three or four rounds and see what we think, and then we'll talk about our specific teams and what our strategies were, how we constructed the teams, and uh, let's get into it. It was 12 teams. It was a head-to-head points league. So, uh, you know, most of you who listen are familiar with head-to-head points leagues. For those of you that don't play in it, we will certainly talk about which which picks were better in points versus roto or categories. But points leagues... You know, you get a point for a single, two points for a double, three for a triple, four for a homer, a point for an RBI, a point for a run, a point for a walk, minus half a point for a strikeout. Those are hitters. Um, two points for a steal. So, you know, keep that in mind. And then points leagues, basically for hitters, they reward extra base hits like doubles and triples that don't get rewarded in standard categories leagues. They reward walks if you play in a league that doesn't have OBP. They penalize for strikeouts. For pitchers, innings are really, really important. Uh, wins are seven points, losses are minus five, quality start three points, half a point for a strikeout, and then you lose points when you give up base runners, when you give up runs. But it's, you know, I guess the points league rewards innings and rewards like extra base hit, just getting on base and extra base hits and plate discipline and things like that that you wouldn't normally see in a five by five categories league. 
Um, all right. So with that said, let's uh, let's talk about it. Twelve teams head to head. Three outfielders. No corner infield. No middle infield. Five starting pitchers. Two relievers. Fairly shallow rosters. Twenty-one rounds. Sixteen starters. Uh, first pick. Al Melchior. You remember him? Mm-hmm. Mike Trout. Trout. Altuve, Goldschmidt, those are your first three picks. By the way, Chris had the fifth pick, Scott had the seventh pick, I had the eleventh pick. So, so would you experiment and take someone else other than Trout? Well, I one? think it's actually it's an interesting question, isn't it? Like, <laughs> no, I don't think we're at the point where Mike Trout is just the default. No question about it. Yes, you take him are. number one. Yeah, yeah we you're are. You're the biggest Mike Trout fan in the world. That's, That's true. And Jose Altuve is really good. I think Jose Altuve because he hits for power now. Because he's a run producer, I think he's right there with Mike Trout. I, uh, you know, it's not every draft you get the number one overall pick. I get the number one overall pick. I'm not messing it up. I'm going Trout. Yeah, and and outfield is not as deep as it used to be. So I think that used to be an argument against Trout. Well, wait on outfield. Well, outfield so but deep. See, I, it's not. I think the argument for it not, and I'm not saying Trout isn't number one. I'm just saying I think it is a. I think it's a question. I don't think, you know, Mike Trout hasn't just been the number one player every year. And it's not like it's like a different, it's not like Jose Altuve's got, you know, it's not like Mookie Betts where, you know, Mookie Betts was better than Mike Trout two years ago, Mm -hmm. but there was no track record for it. Jose Altuve has been better than Mike Trout more than once in the last four seasons. I'm going to blow your mind right now. Jose Altuve was the number seven hitter in points leagues. So, like, Blackman, Stanton, Votto, Judge, Goldschmidt, and Arenado okay, so maybe, all better. Maybe it's more of a question in Rota. Sure. You get you get the steals, you get maybe. the batting average. Maybe. But I, like just saying, oh, well, Trout's not automatically number one at the end of every year. He's always right there. I mean, it's just like for how many years? Five straight years? Right, but Altuve's I been mean, right there in Roto too. For two years. It's not the same. It's not the same. And, <laughs> you know, I... I, I'm fine with Altuve second, but I, I don't think you mess with it. And your point about the depth in outfield, Adam, one of my biggest takeaways from this draft, and I, I wrote about it um, in the when you, you see the full draft results on the site, they're already up. Check that out. Um, you know, as the draft went on, and obviously this being one of those formats where there's no corner infield spot, no middle infield spot, I discovered for, and this was true last year too. I discovered that there were all I was much more excited about the infielders that were still available than the outfielders that were still available. The uh, the quality of outfielders just drops off so much earlier than really every infield spot, except for maybe shortstop. Um, so, you know that that's a that's another point in Trout's favor. Yeah. All right. So it was Trout, and then I guess you know is this the the consensus easy top three in some order? Trout, Altuve, Goldschmidt. Probably. I think you can make a case for others. I think you can make a case for Blackman. You can make a case for Arenado. Uh, but that's probably my one, two, and three. Trail, Altuve, and Goldschmidt. And then we had Bryce Harper, four. Any issues with that? He played 111 games last year. You know, you can make a case for him, too. I don't know why I said Blackman over him. I actually rank Har- Harper ahead of Blackman. Right, and, and I'm sitting there at 11 with no idea when Bryce Harper is going to get picked. Because, you know, it just changes every year. Everybody knows how great he is at this point, but we all fear the, the health. And I just said, look, my, my general philosophy in these types of fairly shallow leagues, right? There's a lot of hitting on waivers. I'm just going to take the best play. Like, 
Harper, yeah, he might miss time, but on a per-game basis, he's so good. If he falls to me at 11, it's an absolute no-brainer. I didn't expect it to happen, but I kind of thought he might go like 6th or 7th. He went 4th. So, um, yeah, so he's he's awesome. Charlie Blackman, 5th to Chris. You want to talk about that? He took him over Betts, Arenado, Correa, pitchers. I wasn't going to take a pitcher, and I don't think that's a surprise to anyone. And I just – the leap that Charlie Blackman has made – over the last really year and a half, because this happened right around the all-star break in 2016, where he took another step forward from being a very good player to like a thousand OPS guy. Um, the lineup he plays in, I just, I think he's the best option there, but it's, you know, thin margins between him and an Arenado or him and Betts or him. And, you know, I, I don't know if Correa is in that discussion yet. Mm-hmm. You know who is in that discussion? That his name's not going to come up for a while, but um, actually, um, one of the biggest debates I'm having right now with my rankings, um, you know, Charlie Blackman's clearly third for me behind Trout, Harper, and Blackman. But then Mookie Betts, there, who you brought up in that conversation, Adam, he went in this number, he went sixth in the first round here. Mookie Betts versus Giancarlo Stanton, um, who something weird happened with things. Giancarlo Stanton in this slide. Draft. It, it did. We'll get to where he actually goes in a minute. But I, I think Giancarlo Stanton is a, a big – deserves to be in this same discussion with Betts and Blackman because I'm not so sure he's not better than Betts. He's certainly he's, – he's more one note than Betts. Betts can help in, you know, batting average. He's not going to strike out and for this format specifically. He's not going to strike out as mm-hmm. much as Stanton. He gets some points on stolen bases. Um, but he's not really going to carry you in anything. I'm, I'm kind of speaking with roto terms right now, I guess. But, you know, it, it, it's true in both formats because Betts is such a good contact hitter, and Stanton, though he's gotten a lot better, isn't. Um, mm, I, think kind, I think 2017 was kind of a worst-case scenario for Betts statistically, and he was still awesome. When Stanton, it was probably his best-case scenario. He yeah, was, I, he was better than Betts, but will that be the same it's, the I, case next year? I don't know. It's a floor versus ceiling thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Although, bet ceiling in 2016. Yeah, it's a, it's an easy call for me. For, I, I'm I'm easily bets. Easily bets. Chris, I'm not so sure it's quite so obvious in head to head. No, I think it is in points because it, you know his plate discipline made bets so much better in points last year than he was in roto. You know, so I I think you're saying because right, roto, in roto a, you go with bets because of the steals. I think that's a floor. Argument, like I think, in his at his ceiling, Mookie Betts is better in road. Yeah, but we're also it's not just steals; it's also batting average. He yeah. should be a high average hitter. He wasn't last year. That's why I think it was kind of a worst case scenario for him. Yeah. Okay, so let's recap first half of the first round: Trout, Altuve, Goldschmidt, Harper, Blackman, Betts. Scott took Nolan Arenado. Uh, the next three picks are Nolan Arenado seven, Carlos Correa eight, and then our first pitcher, Clayton Kershaw nine. So, Scott, tell me about Arenado, and, and also I'll ask you, both of you, forgetting, you know, let's just take hitters, okay, the entire hitter pool. Are you concerned at all at this point about hitter scarce, or position scarcity, or are you just taking the guy who you think is going to score the most fantasy points? I think the way the game has evolved the last couple of years, no. I, I don't think any hitter position is particularly scarce. Even shortstop goes uh, there is, five deep in stuff. There's one. Catcher. Catcher. Well, there's, yeah, but I mean, you're not taking a catcher in the first round. I think there's maybe only one catcher 
who can compare to the elite players at other positions right now. Like, I don't know if Buster Posey compares to the elite guys at other positions, especially in head-to-head. I don't think any catcher can, because I don't even think Sanchez is going to play that If uh, Gary Sanchez plays 140 games, which I don't think is unrealistic, I think he's probably... Well, given the edge he gets on the other guys at the position. So I, I had no, no thoughts of taking Carlos Correa here. It doesn't seem necessary. There are a lot of other good shortstops that are going to last into round three. So Nolan Arenado was a very easy call for me at number seven. He's actually, in my own personal rankings, he's going to be number four overall behind Trout, Altuve, and Goldschmidt. So, uh, uh, you know, just, just, a steady stud at the top of the third base rankings and that's that's what i'm looking for in the first round is safe and awesome i didn't really like third base after a certain point like my my personal least favorite pick on my team was mike mustakas who i took in the seventh round um i actually did i did like in the ninth round kyle seager went and one other guy miguel sano went but i don't know like i don't love third base do you guys love third base this year right now my sixth third baseman is Josh Donaldson, mm-hmm. who really didn't do anything to deserve to drop to number six last year. Uh, Justin Turner's seventh for me, and he was about as good as Donaldson. I, I do, so, yeah, I do I, love I, it I up to that point. I think third base is good. To, I, I wouldn't want to wait longer than that. Yeah, right? that's like, what I'm saying. Yes, up I to that point. I think you see great. that, that tear drop off at eight, depending on how much you like Brett. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Arenado to Scott, Correa, Kershaw. Chris Chris Sale was 10. I played it safe, and I went with Anthony Rizzo at 11. And then Chris Bryant went 12th. And that's the thing. Like, as I compare first base to third base, I think I should have taken Bryant over Rizzo. If I could do that again, I'd take Chris Bryant. Because um, I could have, if, if I wanted a first baseman, I could have gotten Votto. Or I could have gotten Freeman in the second right, round. You could have gotten Bryant, Bryant and Votto in your next two picks. But I knew I was going to go starting first pitcher. basemen are all certainly gone by the middle of round two. Right, like you, you had other choices there. Picking at the end of round one, you could have fallen back on Freeman or Votto. But I, I do think the drop off—it's a more gradual drop off of first base, I guess. Mm-hmm. But there are fewer there, true proven studs at first base than there are at third. Base. There aren't any first basemen taken in this draft between eighteen and thirty-nine. Okay, well, let's put it this way. If you're sitting where I was sitting at 11th overall, and you're deciding between an elite first baseman and an elite third baseman, which is a very realistic, you know, decision you might have to make if, if Chris Bryant is still there. I suspect he might go earlier than 12th in most drafts or 11th. Um, by the, it, you know, I was committed to taking a starting pitcher in round two. Yeah. So, so if you're also committed to that, you're not getting Josh Donaldson in round three. You're not getting Freddie Freeman. You can get Justin Turner. Uh, quite possible. Where did he go? Yeah. Oh, he went around five. So you can get him. You can get Jose Abreu, but that might be a little early. So it, it right. really might come down to: Do you want the elite first baseman or do you want the elite third baseman? Because if you're going starting pitcher in round two, which I did, I took Scherzer second pick of round two. Like you're not right. whichever whichever position you took in round one, you ain't getting the other one in round three. The elite, right? If, you, if you're if you're sold on taking a pitcher that early, and and I think. I think there's a clear foursome at the top of the starting pitcher rankings. Uh, Kershaw and Sale, not necessarily in this order for me, but Kershaw and Sale both went toward the end of round one. Kluber went with the first pick of round two, and Max Scherzer went to you, Adam, with the second pick of round two. I think that's a, that range, end of round one, beginning of round two, is exactly where those four need to go. And I, I think it's 
I think it's totally justifiable the way the pitching landscape is changing to uh, target one of those four mm-hmm. uh, at that point. I, I wouldn't want to go. I wouldn't want to use my first two picks on them mm-hmm. uh, because then you'll have trouble keeping up with, um, you know, all those safe hitters that are taken in rounds one and two. All the owners who took one or two of them, but uh, getting one, you know, if we flipped your picks, Adams, and said you took Max Scherzer with the 11th pick in round one, and then took. Anthony Rizzo with the second pick in round two, I, I don't think anybody would bat an eye at that. No, I, I mean, I think they're fine the way it is. I mean, Rizzo had, I think, more walks than strikeouts, or right about one-to-one, which is something you're looking for in this format. In Roto, I may have gone Chris Bryant because that plate discipline edge isn't quite there, although Bryant had great plate discipline too. Um, One yeah. comment I got a lot from people was they were surprised you took Rizzo over Votto. Now, I actually rank Rizzo ahead of Votto, I think it's I think it's very close my expected production um, from both of them, but Votto's a lot older. Right, Votto's mid thirties. That's now. exactly. I mean, that's the only thing. The only reason I did. You could even take Freddie Freeman over Anthony Rizzo. You absolutely yeah, could. I think that is a. I, I definitely like Goldschmidt most of the four third basemen, but otherwise Freeman, Rizzo, Votto. That's actually how I rank them. I rank them backwards of um, how they're going to go in a lot of drafts, and that's fine. I did, the order's not that big of a deal to me. Yeah. Okay, so just real quick on the first round, it was Trout, Altuve, Goldschmidt, Harper, Blackman, Betts, Arenado, Correa, Kershaw, Sale, Rizzo, Bryant. One shortstop, two pitchers. We go to round two. Kluber, I took Scherzer with second pick, and then Votto went. Kluber, Scherzer, Votto, they were totally fine with these picks. Um, I will say, though, that taking Scherzer there ahead of Votto, Turner, Machado, Freeman, Judge, Big departure from what I used to do. Okay, like before this year, I never would have taken Max Scherzer with the 14th overall pick. Uh, so Votto goes after Scherzer. Then it's Trey Turner, and that pick, I, I shortstop eligible. I feel like I love that pick, fourth pick of round two. Maybe I should have gone with him instead of Scherzer. I don't. Maybe he should have been in the first round. Uh, Trey Turner as a shortstop eligible player. What do you guys think about him fourth overall? Uh, fourth of, in round, yeah, in round two. Second. My bad, round two. Uh, he's my number two shortstop behind Correa, and Correa went mid round one. So I think the timing makes sense. Um, I was, he was one of the ones I was hoping to get with the sixth pick in round two. Obviously, he didn't last that long, so uh, it's hard to blame the guy who took him two picks before that. He was actually the best shortstop by a pretty considerable margin in head-to-head points per game last year, ahead of Correa. Um. And that was even though his line drive rate, line drive rate dropped significantly from his rookie year, dragging his batting average down to a level that I don't know is totally legit. I I, I don't I I think we're going to see Trey Turner hit for better batting averages uh, than he did in 2017 more often than not. And yet even so, he was the best on a per game basis at that position. The reason I still rank Correa ahead of him is because so much of Turner's value is built into stolen bases, and I feel like. You get a hitter as good as Turner is, and you can't necessarily sustain him to count on him to sustain that huge stolen base total from year to year, especially with a new regime coming in. It's not Dusty Baker anymore, and that that adds a new variable that just kind of it makes me a little concerned, but not enough to steer away from a middle of round two. I might be willing to take Trey Turner in the first round in Roto, though. Just that the stolen bases, like you don't have to worry about stolen bases again if you get him. Okay. Uh, so, first four picks are Kluber, Scherzer, Votto, and Turner in round two. We have Manny Machado, who's only third base eligible now. 
but it's not hard for him to gain shortstop eligibility at some point in the season. Just needs five appearances in CBS leagues. Freddie Freeman to Scott with the sixth pick of the round. So Scott's first two picks were Nolan Arenado and Freddie Freeman. Yeah, two first-round caliber hitters. And that's, like, I I think, you know, I've talked a lot about going even starter pitcher heavier in 2018 than I did in 2017. Um, But I feel like when you have a chance to grab a first round, like, definitely a hitter in the first round. And then when you have a chance at another first-round caliber hitter, which would include Turner, it'd include Machado, it'd include every hitter taken to this point. You have to go ahead and do it. So I'm probably still waiting till round three to grab my first pitcher. But what if Scherzer had been on the board? Or what if one of those big four horsemen had been on the board? Yeah, it would have been a tough decision. It would have been, uh, it would have been tough. I, I think, I, I think I still would have taken Freeman. Um, but, um, yeah, that's something I'm going, that's, that's something I'm going to be experimenting with. Oh, in not mock so drafts. No, in mock drafts. No experiment. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be throwing every draft. I'm Everyone who's listening, observant. don't take anything that he says. <laughs> Seriously, um, he's throwing the mock draft. It might be worth it for one of those four, because you know what? Those are the only four that I trust to give me 200 plus innings and pitch like an ace. Like, as much as you can guarantee that for any pitcher, you can guarantee it for those four, and I think only those four. So that's a big deal in today's pitching landscape. I agree. That's why it really wasn't that tough of a call for me. The Turner, the Turner thing, you know, just because he is shortstop eligible, I, I sort of thought maybe I should have taken him over Scherzer, or maybe I should have taken Scherzer in the first round and then taken Turner over Rizzo. But I, it's not, it really wasn't a tough call for me to get one of those four pitchers, um, 11th and then 14th overall. Because and you know, hitters, I, hitters I, I say those are the only four you can trust to pitch 200 innings and pitch like an ace. Verlander? Kershaw hasn't pitched 200 innings in a couple of years. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I just Verlander. want to point that out before somebody else does. Like, That's a good point. I still think he's perfectly capable of it, but, you know, His it, back it's might hard not even be. for him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, then. Moving on. Um, after Scott took Freeman. A uh, little Yankees run. Aaron Judge, seventh pick of round two, and then Chris took Gary Sanchez, eighth pick of round two, followed by Francisco Lindor. But it was pretty interesting. So when was the okay, we go outfield, we go Mookie Betts, sixth pick of round one, and then Aaron Judge, seventh pick of round two. We go a full round without an outfielder, mid round one to mid round two. And then Chris took Gary Sanchez and then Francisco Lindor. Those are some pretty interesting picks there, guys. I think things went off the rails with the Aaron Judge pick, uh, right, the seventh pick, right after the Freddie Freeman pick. I, I think that's where we went from drafting first round caliber hitters to drafting second or in some cases even third round caliber hitters. And, you know, why I'm picking on Judge specifically is because Judge went ahead of Stanton. And Stanton still hasn't gone here, and we're about to the end of round two. I'm pretty sure me, I know what happened with Stanton. Okay. Because what happened for me, and I will just skip ahead, I took Stanton with the fifth pick of the third round. So I, you know, I was I freaking out about Stanton not going off the board at that point, but you, it, it hadn't gone back to me yet. You <laughs> mentioned yeah. that Giancarlo Stanton hadn't been drafted, yeah. like, Five picks ahead of that, like right after Judge, I think, and I was like, or right after I drafted Sanchez, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh crap, 
I forgot about Giancarlo Stanton because the draft room is still last year's projections. But, I mean, how high was Aaron Judge in last year's draft People room? remembered him. People yeah, went out of their way. Why would people not no. remember the home run leader and MVP? That Wait a second. I, like, I can understand you, like, just, just one odd person. It happened to be you in this case, just forgetting about Stanton. But the whole back half of the yeah. draft forgetting about Stanton, I, I, I have a hard time believing that's what happened. Yeah, because J.D. Martinez went ahead of him. And J.D. Martinez was basically Giancarlo Stanton, except he played 35 games fewer last year. Mm-hmm. Well, I, also, Judge probably is going to go earlier than the middle of the second round. I mean, forget no, about I what don't. forget about what you think about him and where he should go. I think yeah. he's going to go earlier than that. You don't? Well, which of these, lot of Yankees which of these hitters there? are you going to take ahead? He was the Judge number three hitter in baseball yeah. last year. I could oh, okay. see people taking him ahead of Trey Turner. I could see people taking him ahead of Freddie Freeman. I could see people taking him ahead of Manny Machado. I think you're going to be surprised. I think, um, cause I, you know, I think all the other, I mean, uh, okay. I mean, I, I guess we'll just have to see, but I feel like usually people are, are smarter than to just automatically default to where people ranked the year before. And, you know, there's a lot of red flags with Stan that I think a lot of fantasy analysts who are going to be doing mock drafts like, much like we did are going to cause them to push him down to round two, maybe even early round three. To, to quote uh, Zach Lowe when he's talking about NBA trades and NBA drafts, it only takes one bleep hole. Yeah, Isaiah I, Thomas. Scott, you said people are going to downgrade Stanton. You meant Judge, right? Judge, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, okay. Scott meant Judge. Did I say the wrong name or did yes. you say the wrong you name? You said Stanton when you meant oh, Judge. Shoot. That's okay. Oh, I mean, it's like, the, it's like the Spider-Man meme when the two Spider-Mans are pointing at each other. It's kind of Aaron <laughs> Judge and Giancarlo Stanton, right? I think Stanton is significantly better than Judge now. I think Judge is much like Stanton used to be, but I, I mean, Stanton, how he, the way he closed up his stance and the way it dramatically improved his plate discipline without really sacrificing power because he had so much to spare. I think, um, you know, there's always the health issue for Stanton, but I yeah. think ding, statistically ding, ding. the growth was legit and uh, he probably should be a first rounder. Forget a third rounder. Oh man, I I don't know. Just, it was a great pick by Chris Tower. It was a great pick in the third <laughs> round. It's just you know you're you paying. Experimented, see what it would have been like. See how I did. I see experimented. How far Stanton could I experimented fallen. to not take him in the second round. <laughs> He's probably going to be in a better park this year, so that doesn't. Hurt. I mean, not that he needs it, but it doesn't. It's hurt. Like actually, San Francisco. There was a really interesting piece on MLB.com. Uh, Mike Petriello, I think, who's like their stat cast guy kind of ran the numbers to see what Stanton's home run, or actually his batted balls would have looked like in other parks. And the two worst parks, based on his stack cast data, would have been AT&T Park. He would have lost four home runs. And Fenway, surprisingly, he would have lost five. Hmm. Did he go the opposite way that much? Or there were two liners? opposite way, and then he has the third lowest uh, average ex- launch angle yeah. for big home run hitters. Yeah. Mm. Well, you look at his career numbers at AT&T Park and, you it, know, lose, really losing four from 59. Like, I, I don't think it's really going to matter right. where he winds up. But he's, he's not going to, but we're paying for his best season and his healthiest season. You know? No. No, no because if you're paying for 2016, you're taking him second overall. Well, that's what, I, what I, well, you could take, then you're taking Judge third or fourth overall. You know, like, all I'm saying is, I don't want to act like Giancarlo Stanton is a, Sure is like the safest, greatest thing here. Let's can't no, forget his not. history. But the the 
the the risk to me is 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 still health related more than production. I, I think there's I a lot more legitimacy to what Stanton did, did than to what Judge did, which isn't to say Judge was some kind of fluke. I mean, he's a top ten outfielder for me, but he's not a top two. He also had a shoulder injury. I mean, that you know, he had the surgery last week, and he played it's just, with it. You strike out as much as as Aaron Judge does, and so much has to go right for you to put up an MVP caliber season. I think. I think the law of averages is going to catch up to him a little I would, there. I would say I would put it this way: I think there's a very good chance we just saw the best seasons of John Carlos Stanton and Aaron Judge's careers. However, I think there's a better chance Stanton ends up within 50 OPS points of what he did last season than there is of Judge ending up 100 points within what he did last season. Okay, I, and I don't, I think you guys are spot on, but middle of the second round, was that like I think 19th fine. overall for Judge? Yeah, I think that's fine. It's fine. I would prioritize Lindor over him, who went two picks later, and obviously Stanton needs to go ahead of him. There's just there's no excuse to take Judge ahead of Stanton, in my mind. Okay. So, back to the draft. Gary Sanchez to Chris, middle of round two, or eighth pick of round two, then Lindor. Corey Seager, Jose Ramirez, and J.D. Martinez. Uh, the last four picks, Lindor, Seager, Jose Ramirez, and J.D. Martinez. Are those second-round caliber players? It's hard to argue against any of them. I, I Seager, um, you know, all the other elite shortstops were gone, right? So you could understand. Like, Seager strikes me as more of a third-round producer, but, you know, he's the last of the elite shortstops, so I can understand him going here. Okay. And three shortstops went in that round. We had Turner, we had Seager, uh, we had Turner, we had Lindor, and we had Seager. So we go to the third round. Josh Donaldson is the pick. George Springer. Um, and those are two owners, Donaldson, Springer owners, that took two hitters with their first two picks. So they took three hitters with their first three picks, Al and Mike McClure. And then we have a little bit of a pitcher run. We have Madison Bumgarner, Steven Strasburg, then Chris takes Giancarlo Stanton, great pick. Jacob DeGrom, Scott takes Zach Granke, then Justin Verlander. So the, the third round starts with Donaldson and Springer, and then five of the next six pitches, six picks are pitchers, pitchers. Bumgarner, Strasburg, Stanton, DeGrom, Granke, Verlander. Um, come back to that in a second. Finishing up the round, we have Chris Karras Davis. First. Stunning pick of the draft. First real reach. Yeah. Although the the second one might not be too far. Agreed. Uh, Noah Syndergaard, and then I sat there for a 90-second clock. I took a minute and 24 seconds. I hated everything. I had my pitcher. I didn't want to necessarily. And I went with Alex Bregman. And and I look at the picks after Alex Bregman, and I don't really think I made a mistake. Maybe Nelson Cruz. Probably Nelson Cruz would have been a good pick there. I, mean, I, I think Dozier is better than Alex Bregman. I think going from Stanton, or, you know, obviously Stanton was an oddball where he went in this draft, so let's take the hitter before. Going from George Springer and Josh Donaldson to Chris Davis, Alex Bregman, Brian Dozier, that is the big drop off in hitter, and that is when you need to go heavy after starting pitching. So I don't necessarily think Bregman was a bad choice among hitters. I just don't know that that was the right time to go hit. Yeah, but I got Carrasco three picks later. 
So, you could have had Carrasco and another pitcher. And I know you already took Scherzer, so maybe that kind of, yeah, it did. you know, you didn't want to go too pitcher heavy, but maybe that's a reason to, to pass up Scherzer. I don't think so, because Scherzer's so much better. Who's the next pitcher off the board? Scherzer is so much better than Carrasco. And then Severino's he's, he's after that. Safer. I, he's certainly safer and, and better and, and all of that. But Joey um, Votto's quite a bit better than Alex Bregman. Right, exactly. And it's yeah, just, Bregman's it's a just shortstop. maximizing the impact of the pick. Bregman's a shortstop here, so... I mean, or a third baseman. Like, I can't really, yeah, I, I, you'd probably draft him to fill shortstop. I'm playing, I'm hoping for a breakout here. Obviously. I mean, yeah. but you, you shouldn't have to hope for a breakout with your third round pick, right? You should, you should want somebody who's really, who's already proven to be and a there stud, are, more or less. And, and I think the thing that we run into with this next group of players is there's a lot of guys who played like second or third round picks last season and we just don't buy it. Yeah. Like who? Anthony Rendon, Cody Ballinger, Nelson Cruz, Marcelo well, Zuna. See, and I buy, I buy it with Cruz. Like it's four straight years with thirty-nine home right, runs. Right, but, uh, but with Cruz, it's not so much that we don't buy him being able to do it. It's just that he's thirty-seven. Yeah, and he's DH only going into this yeah. year. Oh, okay. Also that makes things difficult. That does. So, that does. Like Rendon, Marcelo Zuna, Cody Ballinger, those guys. Pretty like Bellinger, maybe not yeah. quite so much, but yeah. those guys all, for the most part, gave you the production that you would be happy to get. Well, Bell- out of your second round, Bellinger Marcelo actually, Zuna outscored Chris Bryant last season. Bellinger, I actually rank ahead of Judge, so maybe maybe I was marking that drop off in hitters too early, and there just needs to be some rearranging here. I I think Rendon is perfectly fine uh, in round three. I think Cody Bellinger is perfectly fine. I think he's Pretty much a stud. I mean, there's some there's some strikeout concerns there too, but less so than Judge. And uh, I, I mean, he he basically was a stud. Bellinger was as a rookie last year, mm-hmm. so I'd be fine with him in round three. I'd be fine with um, if you prorate Bellinger to 155 games, he moves into number 12 among hitters last season yeah. in fantasy points. Yeah. All right, but if I if I had taken Carrasco in round three and then Bregman in round four. And I did the opposite. I feel like you guys would be okay with that. I feel like you guys would be like, oh, that was good. Well, not if Cody Bellinger was still on the board. Right. But <laughs> I, but I'm I not need sure a I'd rather have here. Bregman than Anthony Rendon. Yeah. But, but well, I, that, I gotta get a shortstop, guys. It's still shortstop. It's, I know that it's... You know what? I have, there's another shortstop who hasn't been taken that I rank ahead of Bregman at that position. Who? I took a pretty good shortstop in the eighth round. Who? Okay, who? Scott who? And then who did you Elvis take? Andrews. Okay, and fine. Chris, who'd you take in the eighth round? I took Xander Bogarts in the eighth round. Like, I know we're down on Xander Bogarts, but this is a guy who's been a second round pick before. Foolishly. I mean, not at the time, but it didn't, it didn't end up working out. Bregman, right, but he was still... We know Bregman got off to a bad start. He finishes the number five shortstop in points, number seven I, in Roto. I, I like Bregman. I, the argument you're making for him, I mean, a, a strong finish. You know, made an impression in the postseason, shortstop eligible. Well, was, these are these are all good things. His postseason play was, yeah, the overall numbers weren't great, but he, he got he got some attention. Great he's fielding. probably going to be overrated because of his postseason. Like he had a 673 OPS right. in the postseason. Yeah, forget um, the postseason. But my point is, I I like Bregman. I don't like him at the end of round three with Cody Bellinger still on the board, or if you know Bellinger's not your type, then then Rendon or even Buster Posey who started round four. Eh, no way, not for yeah, me. Yeah, I don't think Posey's a good pick there. Okay. Um, but you know Posey's better in points than Roto for sure, so that would be a format specific pick. And then it really like if you're saying that I should take Cody Bellinger over Alex Bregman, 
then, well, I guess like I said, outfield's not really that deep. But the point I guess I was going to make is that we shouldn't care that much in shallower formats like this. Shouldn't care that much about position scarcity. Maybe you just grab the guy that you think is going to yeah. score the most points, and then yeah, there's think, definitely something in yeah. that. Yeah. It could be a case where, like Chris said, the draft room was showing last year's projections, and maybe I just overlooked Cody Bellinger. But I took almost the entire 90 seconds. That means I wasn't very confident in the pick. All right, so that will stop there. Those are the first three rounds. Let's talk about our strategies and how we put together. Give me your teams, how you put together your teams. Uh Chris, I'll let you go first. All right, so the whole team or after three rounds? No, the whole team. Okay. Well, we're not going to go round by round anymore. Just So let, let's just talk about, you know, our strategies and, and the constructs of our roster. Okay. You know, I kind of thought that I um that I had invested more in starting pitcher than I had because uh, I did take you Darvish in the fourth round. And then I look at the rest of my team, and it's kind of a very crypt- typical Chris Towers team. Uh, I got Aaron Nola, I got Danny Salazar, I got Trevor Bauer, so there's plenty of upside You're there. You're doomed. You're doomed, Chris. This is the same thing you did last year. You're doomed. I don't know if I'm doomed. We'll see. This is your McCullers uh, pack. I got thing. Cole Hamels at a cheap price, hoping for a bounce back season. So it's, it's a typical high variance Chris Towers pitching staff. If things go right, if I hit on someone on the waiver wire, I, I can, I can definitely manage with this pitching staff, but it's going no, to come down to my <laughs> offense as it typically does. And I've got a potentially really good offense. I think the two best picks that I or anyone in the draft made really were Giancarlo Stanton in the third round, which was a little fluky and Miguel Cabrera in the fifth round. I just, I know he was bad last season, but this is a guy that a year ago was a first round pick. A year ago. Has that much changed in one year for my man Miguel Cabrera? No, I loved it. I loved it. That he's not worth a fifth-round pick. So I've got my lineup is Gary Sanchez, Miguel Cabrera, Cesar Hernandez, Miguel Sano, Xander Bogarts, Charlie Black. Slow it Kyle down. Forbes. Slow it down. They can't remember all these names. Gary Sanchez. Thank you. Miguel Cabrera, Cesar Hernandez. Oh. I think I'm going the exact same speed, Jeez. just a little calmer. Dreadful. Miguel Sano, Xander Bogarts. Charlie Blackman, Kyle Schwarber, Giancarlo Stanton, and my, Matt Carpenter. <laughs> the way you're saying it is just awful to listen to. Uh, so this team, the offense for this team, has the potential to be, I think, the very best in a points format. Matt but, Carpenter. Wait, uh, I have a question. Someone. Chris, I have a question. Yes. Who, who are you going to pick up when you drop Cesar Hernandez? What is this thing where we think <laughs> Cesar Hernandez isn't really good? Is he top 12? At second base? It's fine. Yeah, in it's fantasy fine. points? Yeah. Probably. He walks a lot. It's I fine. mean, I, I only rank him 27th at the position, so. I think that's ridiculous. I think that's unfair. Okay. Well, I mean, would you rather have Chris, he, right. Chris last, Taylor? Last than... season, Cesar Hernandez played 128 games. Mm-hmm. And he ranked 111th in fantasy scoring among hitters. Okay. That's pretty so, good. 372 divided by 128. Let's multiply. Let's give him 150 games. He moves up to right around 60th, right behind Mike Moustakas, Eugenio Suarez, Will Myers, and ahead of DJ LeMahieu. A lot of late round picks. Yeah. Why do we think Cesar, but why do we think Cesar Hernandez isn't good? It's fine, Chris. I I think it's fine. I just, I just think, I don't think he can possibly be better than he was last year. And what he was last year was pretty meh. So, you know. 
I, I think there are a lot of high-end options at second base. Like, I'd rather gab- gamble on an Ozzy Albies than settle for a Cesar Hernandez, Yohan Mokata. He was my 17th um, round pick. You know, hope for Scooter right, Jeanette to sustain for, or Chris Forget Taylor him, forget him. Let, let's, let's get back to the fact that Chris didn't learn his lesson from last year and did not invest enough in pitcher um, in this format. I just, I don't know if I agree with that. Um you want, should we just play last year's starting pitcher podcasts or <laughs> like sure. it might work no, in other I, formats? Look, I'm, but... I'm less militant about not investing in starting pitching than I was last year. I just, I actually like this starting pitching staff. Like I'm not the biggest Trevor Bauer fan, but I think Trevor Bauer could be, this is a team that needs a lot of things to go right, but would it shock you if Aaron Nola, Danny Salazar and, and Trevor Bauer were top 30 pitchers next year? All three Top of them? 20? I mean, the way Trevor Bauer finished the season, I think he might be, he might be fairly underrated. I mean, I have him 49th at starting pitcher, so, you know, it's not like I'm saying he's about to be a stud or anything, but I think he can be Gio Gonzalez-like. Mm-hmm. I think he'd be a lot better than that. Okay. Like, the strikeout numbers that he was putting up in the second half of the season last year, the fact that he sustained it in his two starts in the postseason. I know they were short starts, but he, he just, gives up a lot of base runners though is the thing. So like he can't be an ace giving up as many base runners as he does. He yeah, I mean he had a one point three whip after the all-star break. That's not great. That did come with a three thirty eight yeah. Babip and he might be someone that just gives up a lot of hits, but you'd think with the defense behind him. I just it's weird I've become something of a Trevor Bauer fan. Okay. All right, Scott, let's go to your team now. Tell us uh, about your strategies and how it all played out for you. So I talked a lot as the uh, 2017 season was winding down about um, how I was going to be even more aggressive at starting pitcher because, you know, the the way the, the way teams were changing the ways they use pitchers and, and, you know, just how how few pitchers were reliable inning sources and everything that goes along with that, strikeout totals, win totals, everything. Um, you know, made the, the standouts, uh, you know, that they're even more valuable than I suspected. So, um, you know, you have to draft those early and that's what I'd intended to do. Um, going hitter first round because, you know, you don't want to be completely left out of the elite hitter conversation. Maybe hitter second round if I could get a Freddie Freeman type like I did. And then starting pitcher third, fourth, and fifth round. Well, I went hitter first two rounds. I went pitcher in rounds three with Zach Granke, who is certainly a great inning source, does have some spottiness in terms of production from year to year, but more often than not is an ace. Um, and then in round four, I took my second pitcher, Luis Severino. But then I didn't end up taking that third pitcher in round five. I went with Daniel Murphy instead because... It, good value. it was just so shock, shocking he was there. And then Elvis Andrews, who I mentioned earlier, I like, I went with him in round six, um, you know, a good three rounds after you took Bregman when I like Andrews more. So again, th- just the value at those two middle infield spots was just so apparent that, uh, I, I had to, I had to divert from my plan to get three pitchers there in rounds three, four, and five. Mm-mm-mm. Um, Got and I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm okay with the way my pitching staff turned out. I, you only got two innings, guys, though. I got John Lester as my third pitcher. Yeah. I got three innings, guys. Uh, two. Severino nearly threw 200 last year. But 
we're he, talking about playoffs. He did throw. But we're talking about track record, right? Okay, fair. You only got, got two guys that have done it before. Well, Severino's done it once before. He was basically a 200 inning guy this year. Ooh, um, basically. Yeah, basically. I'm, look, <laughs> how many pitchers threw even 180 innings last year? I think it's in the teens. I so, think Trevor uh, Bauer was basically a 200 inning guy. But Scott, I, I'm sorry, Chris. Sorry to cut you off. Um, you're not worried about uh, the Severino inning increase? It scares the it, crap out of me. He didn't go deep enough into the postseason for it to be a real concern. What? What's? But he, he had a huge increase in innings. Yeah, but that was largely because of the time he spent pitching out of the bullpen last year. Okay, right? he, he two pitched, years right, ago look, he pitched. Look he pitched, at the previous. Yeah, compared to the previous year, pitched in the wild card game. So let's not, you know, let's. Although he only pitched two thirds of an inning, but he threw a lot of pitches. <laughs> Uh, he, he had a major innings increase, but alright, fine. He, but I think it's less fine. about the year to year than about the maximum to maximum, and in 2015 he threw 161 innings, um, between the majors and the minors. So he's still uh, 50, 50 plus. I mean, how many? Well, yeah, and then well, last year. Could he get hurt next year? Yeah, Severino could get hurt next year. I don't think he's an abnormal risk to get hurt, and the biggest thing about Severino, the reason while I don't trust him on the same level as Scherzer and Kluber, and I mean, obviously, who, who would? Um, he's in that next rung is because the Yankees have already shown they're willing to ride him for seven innings at a time. And that's really the key. So few teams even allow their pitchers to do that anymore. And the Yankees did repeatedly with Severino. So now that he's proven he can do that, um, you know, there's the inherent risk of drafting a hard throwing pitcher or really any pitcher. But beyond that, I think Severino is, uh, is, is a perfectly fine number two option. I mean, he's a top ten pitcher in my rankings, so mm-hmm. you know you could argue he's a number one option if you want to be super technical about it. And I got him as my second, so I'm totally fine with that. Okay, so through what six rounds you have Granky and Severino, and then and you have what else you have? Um, and then I took Murphy in round five, Elvis Andrews in round six. So I got my whole infield full. I got two high end pitchers, a full infield with Arenado, Freeman, Murphy, and Andrews. Um, and then I drafted Lester in round eight because, you know, more innings there. You know, I, I'm not totally sold on the idea he's going to bounce back because there was some skill issues there with his struggles, but um, wouldn't surprise me if he did either. So I was fine with the value there. But obviously now I'm eight picks in, and I haven't drafted an outfielder. And you know how I said at the top of the podcast, one thing I noticed is the middle stages of the draft, wow, the infielders left are much more interesting than the outfielders left. Now, it's hard for me to complain about any of the infielders I took. They could all be top five at their respective positions. And in fact, I, I think they're more likely than not they will be. The outfield is. But the outfield is, scary. is, um, Tommy Pham, who I, I think was a great value in round nine. He's a top 12 outfielder for me, so I was fine with that. Uh, but then Eduardo Nunez is my second and Michael Conforto is my third. Um, now it, I think we look at the name Eduardo Nunez and we think, okay, this is not a very good player, even though for two years now he has been a must start player in this format. Uh, as a shortstop, of, I don't know about an outfielder. Well, no, an, an outfield last year, he was 24th among outfielders in head to head points per game. Uh huh. So clearly starting caliber. Yeah, that's uh, what we thought about, uh, what's his name? The guy on the Reds, the second baseman slash shortstop. I don't know. It's a lot of bad, a lot well, of bad. Well, no, Eduardo Nunez. Nunez was an everyday player. He was, he was more proven than Jose Peraza. He, he was. But, he was. um, and it's two years in a row for him. 
Scott, regardless, who's, regardless. Who's your uh, who's your number three outfielder when the Mets inevitably screw up Michael Conforto's shoulder? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Conforto suffered a serious shoulder injury last year that I don't know if he's ever going to be the same after that. The track record for pitchers who suffered that same injury isn't good. We don't really have any idea how it affects hitters. So, you know, it, it was definitely uh, gambling an upside at a position where, you know, I don't. He can he can be an elite hitter. Yeah, and if he's not, here's the thing. Like, would I like to have a better outfield? Yes. If if I didn't have all these infielders falling in my lap, would I have made a concerted effort to get an outfielder earlier because of what it was going to look like in the middle rounds? Yeah, I probably would recommend that. But I do feel like if you're going to slack at a position, outfield is the position to do that because there are obviously three times as many outfielders as any other position, and that just increases the number of breakout possibilities That's... on the waiver wire, especially in a league where the player, the, the number of rostered players is so low. There are going... Aaron Judge wasn't really drafted. There's going to be a Marcel Mazuna next year. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. I, this, I don't think these three outfielders are going to be my outfielders all year, um, and it might be a problem if they were, but I feel very confident that those four infielders will be my starting infield all year barring injury and um i'll be able to adjust in the outfield as the season goes on Mm -hmm. yeah i mean you could have taken andrew mccutcheon or starling Marte over elvis andrews but just looking at the outfielders you were taking it's not like you missed out on i mean honestly starling Marte was went with the second to last pick in the sixth round like i know he had a bad year last year but it was interrupted he's he probably deserves to go earlier than that he is going to be very much like D. Gordon was right. last year. Yep. Inexplicably underrated because we think that steroid use gives players a bigger – I don't even know if that's the right way. It gives them a boost, and then I think we either consciously or subconsciously assume that that boost doesn't carry over. And I think history shows that like, unless we just think Nelson Cruz is still st- still taking steroids – like, Gordon. that dude didn't just lose it. D. Gordon didn't just lose it. Whatever yeah. those gains are, and we can't measure them, most guys who use steroids tend to continue performing at a similar level post-suspension. Don't fall into the trap with Starling Marte of assuming that he's just going to be bad now. I agree with that point, and a lot of the peripherals, you know, the batted ball tendencies and everything were similar for Marte. I think he will bounce back, but I didn't love him in this format to begin sure. with. You sort loved him like, there, though. You loved him late in the sixth round. He never went yeah. late in the sixth round. I'm, I'd am i rather have Andrews. I mean, I, I think Andrews... <laughs> Adam literally rolled his eyes at me. Well, because think about, like, could you possibly have... Would rather have wanted Andrews last year? The earliest I would have taken Marte last year was round... In this format was round five. And I never really got the chance, but that's where I would have taken him. So round six, if I assume he's going to bounce all the way back, yeah, that's fine. But he's probably like 15 spots apart in my outfield rankings, head-to-head versus Roto. Sort of like Carlos Santana loses a lot of value in the Roto, the categories format. Hmm. Um, Star- Starling Marte is probably the player that loses the most in the points format. I think I'm very much looking forward to having fairly heated Elvis Andrews arguments Um as we go forward, I think this is going to be a guy that, uh. I mean, if you're already rolling your eyes at the idea he's the sixth rounder before he developed power, some people were taking him in the sixth round. Developed power. I mean, that's the thing. Like, nobody bought the power. 
And you and I both think they're going to change the baseballs, and they've already alluded to that they're going to change the baseballs. Have they? Yeah. But, they said Adam, they're going to address it. As I said it. in the last podcast, even if they change the baseballs, it's unlikely that that will take place uh, and take effect until who the second half of the season Maybe. at the yeah, earliest. Yeah, I mean, who has point. alluded to them changing they the baseballs? They, they said they were going to look at it. So they acknowledged there was an issue. They were going to okay. look at it. Okay. I may have missed something. When yeah, I where were away, you? Um, where were um, you, you, Scott? Got, I don't know. But <laughs> last I last I heard, they were denying the baseballs were different. No, so. they they and sort then we of had a and then we had a postseason that got all sorts of acclaim because and, and it just so happened players were hitting a lot of home runs. So I don't know. I don't um, know that baseball is going to change. I hope it does. Yeah, me too. I think it should, but uh, I don't know that it will. Me too. Okay, uh, now just to wrap it up, my team. I uh, went with three starting pitchers with my first six picks, my first ten picks, five hitters, four starters, and Brad Peacock, who I plan to use as a reliever. I have Rizzo, I have Bregman, and then I yeah, my hitters kind of suck. It's not, it's no lie, but I have upside. You know, I have Bregman, who I think is a ton of upside, and I have Andrew Benintendi, who's my first outfielder taken. I took Benintendi in the sixth round. After I already had Scherzer and Carrasco. No, I took Benintendi in the fifth round, pardon me. And he is a guy who I think should be a lot better in points leagues. I do think he's probably like the 15th to 20th outfielder off the board, and I think that's perfect value for him. So um, I actually am happy with that. Like I look at a guy like Bregman and a guy like Benintendi, two guys that had a sophomore slump and could easily be breakout stars at their positions. Easily. So I'm, Adam, I'm not fine. Yeah? I will just say the one concern I have with your team. Yeah? There are only maybe three players in your starting lineup. I guess we could count Adam Eaton as well since he didn't play. But I would say Bregman, Benintendi, and Odor, Rugnet Odor, are the only players that I think are likely to be better this season than they were last. Okay, so I hate my Moustakas pick. Or should be better than they were last. My Moustakas pick was my worst pick. It was in the seventh round. He he wasn't like he hit 38 home runs last year. He was the 13th best third baseman in points, 11th in Roto. He barely walks. So if I had waited two rounds, I could have gotten Kyle Seager. Would have been a much better pick. Um, but I think Rizzo could be better. I mean, he could easily hit 34 yeah, home runs. He yeah, no, he could hit 36 need, instead of 34, right? Does he need to be better? Yeah, I mean, I guess no, 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 I guess no, there's some value in, in kind of looking at it that way. Who on my team could be better than they were no, last no, year? No. But unless you're paying for what they were last year, it's not. Look, Rizzo's a perfectly fine pick at number 11. I might have taken Chris Bryant, I might have taken Joey Votto, but there's nothing wrong with that. It's more that like there aren't a lot of guys here on the upswing. Well, let me say who they are. So it's Salvador Perez, and that was, you know, I think there's a big drop-off after Perez because most of the the great catchers were gone then. Um, Rizzo, Odor. Took him in round eight. I took who in round eight, Perez? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Rizzo, Odor. Scott actually drafted the last half of this for me because I had to do (laughs) what I have to do, a football podcast? Yeah. A uh, Greg oh, Olson okay. interview, that's right. Way to take the legitimacy out of it. No, I mean, I did, I did most of the core, but you, you definitely filled in the blanks. So Dora You didn't was like the pick. Justin Smoke pick, right? I didn't like the Justin Smoke pick because Justin Bohr went two rounds later. I would have rather have just had Justin Bohr. Bohr. Okay. I mean, I rank Smoke higher, but I, but I, I mean, that's a good example. Like, did Smoke just have his career year? Probably. Is taking Justin Smoke in round 12 where I gave him to you? Well. Paying for his career, career year? No. No, no but. You you might be paying for the previous nine years of Justin Smoke. I'm I mean, concerned. Cause... Took, I mean, look at your lineup. You got Kyle Schwarber in it. Like <laughs> that could be he could be dropped at the end of April. But here's the point: 
my lineup is not my strength. And I knew that. I have Scherzer, Carrasco, Arietta. I have Brad Peacock at relief pitcher. I have Luke Weaver, who I took in the 10th round. Um, and I have Jacob Faria. And then I love the three picks Scott gave me late. Tanner Roark, Jay Happ, and Marco Estrada. One of those guys, if not all three, are going to be worth using, especially in two-star weeks. I'm going to have one of the best pitching staffs. And if you take that approach and you say to yourself, look, hitting is deep. The hitters are going to emerge throughout the year more so than the pitchers. You can look at your lineup on opening day and not love it and be aggressive on the waiver wire. It's the exact reverse argument I used to make. I used to say the same thing about pitching. If you feel that way about hitting now, which I do. Um, yep. I'm with you, Adam, 100 I, on both counts. I I think that's a fairly reasonable argument to make. I don't think it takes into account the inherent volatility of starting pitching, but that's fine. Your starting pitching isn't that great. Oh, bull honky. Like it's you've got great. two real you've got two really good starters. But who's got Scherzer better start? There's there's no way anybody has Scherzer better and Carrasco are great. Right. Arietta's not that great, especially in this format. So I look like Arietta's giving you five innings per yeah, start. But he's not gonna be on the Cubs necessarily, so that might yeah. change. Yeah, I, I think it I'm hoping a different manager handles him differently because other than other than John Lester, that's how that's how uh Madden was treating his entire pitching staff last year. But you're right. I don't love the Arietta pick because I looked further into it and the, the strikeout rate going down is a bit of a concern. So Maybe He's my I number should. 18 pitcher though. I mean, if your third pitcher is still top 20, you have one of the best pitching th- starting right. rotations of the league. I right? got Luke Weaver. I get to sing Luke Weaver like every time he pitches. <laughs> That's terrific. And then yeah, I love the depth. So um, I don't think you can. I don't think anybody, unless they took like four starting pitchers with their first five or six picks, there's no way you're going to look at anybody's pitching staff and be like, wow, there are no question marks. You nailed it. Uh, and yeah. don't forget, Shohei Otani will make the starting pitching group a little bit deeper when he signs. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I'm just banking on hitting being deeper than pitching again. Of course, this kind of jibes with my, they're gonna change the baseball thing. I guess I'll have to figure out the balance between, you know, what, <laughs> what that means. Well, there's right, more, if they change, if they change the baseball, then you're just done. There's more to oh, it yeah. than that. It, and this is, you know, it seems like teams have come to realize, you know, particularly the Astros and Dodgers and, and the Cubs to a certain extent, too, that certain pitchers are just better. You're better off throwing certain pitchers 140 innings to 150 innings a year. You're going to get more value on that than asking everybody to go 180 plus. So, you know, they're just just the fact that John um, and, and I know Jake Arrieta fell a little shy of 170 last year, but he's been a guy who's thrown more than 200 before. We know he's he never been that. an efficient pitcher. But With that's the exception okay. of the, the um, Cy Young year, he's never been someone who goes a lot of innings relative to his start. But honestly, even by today's standards, even 170 innings is pretty good. If he just does what he did last year, Look, that's still somebody you're going to start every week. I, I'm ready to end this podcast. I just need... I just need to hear Chris Towers say that I have a better, that I have an objectively better pitching staff than he does. I just need to hear those words. Why, why would I say that? <laughs> why would I lie to you? It's objectively true, Chris. These millennials always want to be told lies that make themselves feel better about their failures. Well, I have been on a, a Fleetwood Mac kick lately, so tell me sweet little lies, Chris. <laughs> and uh, that's it. We are done. 1% milk or skim plus for everyone. And we will talk to you next week. We'll keep talking about this draft. We'll give you some of the good late-round picks and 
And I'm sure we'll figure out something else to talk about. See you later.